You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. A tradition in large universities or even some small colleges that if the professor doesn't come to the class within 15 minutes of the start time, then the, uh, then the class can leave without being penalized, without being marked absent. Pastor uh, Mark Hall or uh, David Hall tells a story of how there was a, a class that had one of these clocks that you see up on screen. And the professor, he lived on San Antonio time, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he came to class late quite often. And so one day, the, I guess the class got bored, and for whatever reason, they picked up some dry erase, or chalkboard erasers, actually, and they began chunking them at the clock. And they realized that this made the clock move up in time. A minute two, three, and they began just having target practice. And so the professor would come in, and the class was gone, and he would look at the clock, and, but then he'd be looking at his, and he was like, what's going on? Well, eventually, he kind of figured out what was going on. And so he just waited until the next test exam, and he gave the test out, and he said, you have exactly one hour to finish this test. Then he went and grabbed all of the erasers, and he sat down, and he chunked them at the clock, and he kept on doing that, making that clock move up, and then after he got that clock to say it was past the one hour, he said, the exam is over, and you could hear the groans from the class, and I think he taught them a big lesson that day, didn't he? Time matters. Time matters. We only have a certain amount of time in life. We only live a certain amount of time. Our family, our friends, they're only going to live a certain amount of time on this earth. And so many times, I think we just take time for granted. We just kind of go through the motions, and, and we don't think how valuable time is. If you're a guest here, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. We've been calling this, this series Experiencing Jesus. And we've talked about how Jesus is the Son, the Son of God, the radiance of God's glory. He's above all things. We've talked about how he's the leader, a greater leader than even Moses. And, and we challenge you to ask, is Jesus leading all areas of your life? We talked about how Jesus is the high priest and how he intercedes for us. We talked about how Jesus is our hope, and Richard talked about anchoring ourselves in Jesus. And then last week, Jesus talked about how Jesus is our intercessor, how he intercedes on our behalf. And today we're going to talk about how Jesus is the new covenant, how he provided this new covenant. And some of you may be asking, well, what is a covenant? A covenant is a promise between two or more parties to perform a certain action. It's similar to a promise. Now, 
let me kind of put it this way. I, I could make a covenant with you or I could make a promise. I could say, hey, I'm going to feed all of you lunch today. I promise to do that. Now, I'm not promising you to, to do that today, but I'm just saying, if I did, I could make that promise. And that could be a one-sided promise. Hey, I'm just going to promise to feed you lunch. Or it could be, I promise to feed you lunch. It could be a conditional promise if you pay attention during this sermon. And so it can be unconditional where I just say, hey, I promise to buy you lunch. Or it could be, or it could be a conditional. If you do this, then I will do these things. Interesting aspect. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word, that word testament is uh, the same word, covenant. We'll see several covenants in the Old Testament. Uh, there's a covenant with Noah where God promises that he will never destroy the world by a flood. There's a covenant with Abraham where God promises that he'll make Abraham into a great nation, that he will be blessed. And if you remember at the time, Abraham didn't have any children, but God makes this promise. And there's a covenant with Israel that we'll talk about in a few moments. But God promises land to the Israelites. Uh, in exchange, they, he wanted obedience from them. There was a covenant with David. God promises the descendants of David would, still, would sit on the throne forever. And we know that this is true because Jesus was from the line of David. And so when we're talking about covenants, we have to realize that they're promises. So what is the old covenant? Sometimes called the Mosaic or Sinai covenant. If Israel is obedient to the laws then God will bless them. If they disobey, then God will punish them. You, we can find details about the Old Covenant, especially in Exodus 19 through 24 and Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you remember, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and God gave him the law to give to the people. And a lot of times we just think of the Ten Commandments, but there was a lot of different laws, a lot of different things that the people had to do, a lot of different rules that, the, that uh, God's people had to follow. And this covenant would serve to set the nation of Israel apart from all the other nations. They were called to be holy. They were to, called to act differently than everyone else. And, and one of the things that we see in this covenant, in, the, in this old covenant, is that you'll see lots and lots of sacrifices. I, I like to call it the sacrifice treadmill. I mean, they were constantly uh, offering sacrifices. William Barclay gives several different examples of some of the sacrifices that were made in the morning and in the evening. Uh, there was a burnt offering. There was a meat offering. There was a drink offering. There was a daily meat offering of the high priest. There was an incense offering. There was just constant offerings being made, constant sacrifices being made to God. Now, the problem with these is that these sacrifices reminded people of their sin, but it didn't, necessarily, it didn't take away the sin. And, and this, this kind of made me think as, as uh, the, old, or the people in the Old Testament, as they're going through this, what, what if we had to make sacrifices for all of our sins? Every time we sin, that we had to run and make a sacrifice. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'd be spending most of my day making sacrifices. I mean, some of you, you've already sinned this morning, haven't you? And so you would need to be making a sacrifice. We'd make them in the morning. We'd make them in the evening. But, but what if we just had to make a sacrifice every time we sin? Well, see, that's what the old covenant had us do. Let's go to the next. 
Jeremiah chapter 31, though, he says, hey, there's going to come a time that there's going to be a new covenant. There's a promise that a new covenant was coming. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33 says, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a what? A new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with, the, with, with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. They were disobedient. Though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord, but this is the... New covenant I will make with the people of Israel after these days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. If you remember the Ten Commandments were written on stone, this new covenant will be written on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. We see in the Old Testament there was a promise that eventually a new covenant would come. In Hebrews 8 to 10, we see a picture of this new covenant. And we see certain aspects of the old covenant. And so in reality, we're looking at, at, at chapters 8 to 10, but we're especially going to be camping out in Hebrews chapter 10. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Starting off in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, the old system under the law of Moses was only a what? A shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good, thing, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide a perfect cleansing for those who come to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once and for all time. Their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sin year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. And he cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was, was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. And then he sat down at the place to honor God at God's right, or God's right hand. And when sin have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. So, dear brothers and sisters, you can boldly enter in heaven, most holy place, because of the blood of Jesus. So, so what we see here is we see the old covenant pointed to the new covenant. The, the old covenant itself wasn't a bad thing. We, we need to recognize that we do sin, but it was just a, a preview of the new covenant. How many of you like movies? Anybody like movies? Raise your hand if you like movies. I'm not a huge moviegoer, but during Thanksgiving, I probably set a record. I went to the movie, movie theater twice in one week. I mean, that, that's a lot. I mean, I'm more like a two- or three-year type, type uh, guy. I, I'm pretty cheap, and it just it, for me to want to go to the movie theater and then pay money and then pay an outrageous amount for popcorn and all that other stuff, uh, that's just hard for me to get excited about doing. 
But this one week, I decided to go watch Ford versus Ferrari. Amazing movie if you like racing. I mean, I, man, I give it two thumbs up. I, I also watched uh, the one on Mr. Rogers that has Tom Hanks in it. Uh, again, an enjoyable movie. But when you go to the movie theater, you sit down after you get your big tub of healthy popcorn that's fat-free, and you get your soda, or in my case, my big thing of water, and then if you have kids, you're going to get all kinds of candy, and man, you just spent a ton of money on all that. And you, and you sit down, and you watch, and the movie doesn't start right away, does it? No, you see a whole bunch of previews, and some of the previews interest you, and some of them aren't any good whatsoever, and you're like, yeah, I'm not ever watching that. But then you're like, ah, that's not too bad. But the previews isn't why you came in the first place. You, you came to watch the main feature. You came to watch the movie. And in the same way, the Old Covenant, it's just a preview of what was yet to come. And, and that was the New Covenant. And, and we'll see the Old Covenant it had all these sacrifices done. But if guess what? They wouldn't have had to do those sacrifices if they didn't sin. But the problem is, they continue to sin. They continue to sin over and over again, just like we do, just like Romans says. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One of the things that, that we sometimes forget with sin is that sin keeps us from God. Sin makes us dirty. Megan uh, posted a, a picture a few weeks ago. It hadn't rained in some time, and it showed that her kids were outside just jumping around and, and playing in the rain. And, and, and this kind of reminded me when I was a kid. When it would rain there in Arkansas, we'd go outside, and we'd make little boats, and it would go down the ditch, and then I'd make mud pies and throw them at my sister, and we'd ride bicycles, and we'd splash each other, and and man, we had a ball. I mean, it was, just, it was just fun. I mean, we weren't inside just playing electronics all the time. I mean, now that's not my old man there, okay? Uh, we, we were actually outside playing and doing all of those things. And then we'd go to go inside. And my mom said, you're not coming inside like that. Because, I mean, I was dirty. I mean, she was like, yeah, you're not tracking that inside my house. The problem was we didn't have a garage. We had a carport, and my mom and dad didn't care. They're like, hey, if you go out there and you get dirty, that's on you. And so we'd have to either strip down right there in the carport. I mean, behind, kind of go behind the car and kind of strip down. She was like, yeah, that's not going in my house. Or we could sneak around to the backyard, but we didn't have a privacy fence. And so you had to make sure your neighbors weren't outside. And I said, man, mom and dad, that's child abuse. That's not cool. But they were like, no, you're not coming inside. Same way, sin is like that, right? Sin is messy. You, you track it around. And, and in the Old Covenant, it said, hey, if you have sin in your life, you had to make these sacrifices. But with this New Covenant, Jesus Christ comes. And not only is he the high priest, not only does he intercede on our behalf, but he sacrificed himself because he was, he was perfect and he was able to be that perfect sacrifice. The, the verses that we read just a little bit earlier kind of reminded you of Hebrews chapter 4 that we read. It said that God's approachable. We can approach the throne of grace because of what Jesus has done. And we don't have to come with fear and trembling. That he's going to give us mercy. So many times people work so hard, they think they have to be cleaned up. 
They, they think, oh, man, I, I, I got to clean up before I come before God. I got to clean up before I come to Castle Hills. I have to clean up before God will accept me. And, and one of the things that we try to teach here very, very clearly here, it, it, it's not about cleaning up before God. You come before God, and God will transform your life, and he will clean up your life one piece at a time. But so many times people think, oh, I have to do this or I have to do that before God will love me. And that's one of the amazing things about the new covenant. That's one of the amazing things about Jesus Christ is he looks at you and he says, hey, I love you how you are. And then I'm going to transform your life. We've been memorizing several verses over the, the last few weeks. And, and it's been a joy just to watch as, as you picked up these verses more and more each week. And, and I've just heard comments, hey, this is really good that we're just memorizing God's word and putting it on our heart. And, and we're going to look at those verses today. But I wanted to just kind of lead you up to these verses that we've been memorizing. That's been talking about the new covenant. That's been talking about how amazing Jesus Christ is. In Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold what? Tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let's hold that on screen for a second. Let's go back and hold, yes. Let's hold tightly. we got to remember the audience. If you look further down in this chapter, we'll see that the audience was persecuted. They were thrown in jail. They were going through difficult times. And throughout the book of Hebrews, it's warning after warning after warning. Do not drift away. Do not fall away. Do not... Quit following Jesus. But there was a temptation there. Hey, go back toward Judaism. Uh, you know what? My, my fathers, they, they were under the old covenant. They made sacrifices. They did these things. If it was good enough for, the, for them, maybe it should be good enough for us. I, I think people were asking them hard questions. Well, why are you following this Jesus? Why are you under this new covenant instead of the old covenant? And, and the author reminds them, hey, Hold tightly, hold tightly, without wavering. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had one of those cold fronts that moved in. I know it's kind of rare that we have those, but we had it, and it was so windy that, man, when we were walking outside, it just felt like you were going to blow over. Like, man, you just had to be firm in your stance. And I remember we had Mother's Day out there that day, and it was so windy. I told the kids, I said, hey, your hair's going to fly, fly off if you don't hold it down. And so all of a sudden, you had these kids like this. I'm like, yeah, you'll end up like me if you don't do that. And you, you, you better hold on. That wind's going to get you. Like, let us hold tightly. Let's be firm. Let's not drift away to the what? To the hope that we affirm. We have hope in Jesus Christ because he became our perfect sacrifice. For God can be what? Trusted. You look at all the covenants in the Old Testament. God keeps his promise. You can look through that. You can look, read through the Old Testament. We'll see that God continues to keep his promise. Verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate, or your translation might say, spur one another to acts of love and good works. That, that, that's an interesting word, motivate or, or spur. It's normally used in a negative way. It normally means to aggravate someone or to bug someone. You ever have someone that just, you just feel like their life's purpose is to bug you? I mean, you, you, 
Don't be hitting your, your spouse now, okay? But there's some people out there that you just, you just feel like, man, that's all they do. Like, that's what their goal in life is. It's just to irritate you. Sometimes it's one of your kids. Sometimes it's your spouse. Sometimes it's a coworker. But, but we have those people that, man, they just intentionally, like, like well, I'm going to just tell you some Morgan secrets, okay? Just don't tell my wife, okay? She's in the nursery, and so just be really quiet. She hates when we crunch ice or really um, make the slurpy sound. And so if we want to irritate her, if we kind of want to push her buttons, you do that, okay? That would be that kind of like that same word. Like if you really want to push someone's button to get back at them. Now, the Morgan family, we never do that to Miss Julie. My boys never do that. I never do that. Don't do that around her. She might lose her Christianity, okay? But, but again, <laughs> hey, don't tell her, okay? This is a secret between you and me, okay? I'm going to tell Richard to edit this part out of the podcast, okay? Is, is, I, I don't want this going public. In the same way, instead of this phrase being used in a negative way, we want to be intentional on doing acts of love and good works. In the same way that some people may love to irritate you and to push your buttons, what if we had that same motivation when it came to acts of love and good works? And you say, well, how do we do this? Well, actually, the next verse explains this. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. Again, this church is being persecuted. This church is going through some hard times. And sometimes when we face hard times, there's a temptation for us to isolate ourselves and go off by ourselves. When we face hard times, sometimes we don't want to be with community, even though that's what we need the most. That's something our leadership, we try to be very intentional about. We, when we see someone that might be drifting, that might be saying, hey, I just I don't want to be around anyone. And we're like, hey, we want to respect your space. But we want you to be careful because Satan wants you to be isolated. He doesn't want you to be in community. He doesn't want you to be with people that love you and care about you. But catch this. It says, meet together, but what? Encourage one another. Encourage one another. As you're going through hard times, when you're going through life, we need encouragers in our life. We need people that can encourage us, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I, I want to kind of jump in just a little bit on that word encourage. You're going to see this next slide. Mark Twain said, I can live for a week off of one good compliment. Think about that. I, I, I got this text, uh, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, a week or two ago. And, you know, I was feeling like a lot of heavy burdens. Uh, as you know, we got a lot of things, exciting things happening at Castle Hills, but there was just a lot of, I was just kind of, I had that weight on my heart. And I woke up and, or I, I woke up and I got this text that said, I woke up thinking about you. I want to thank you for taking interest in me and taking time to help me uh, learn more about God and to prove myself. And, 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 I, and I got that I got that text, and I, can I just tell you, it changed my whole perspective that day. Like all of those things that I was thinking about, I was just like, you know what? Ministry is all about people. It's all about investing people. And, and my to-do list, yes, I'm going to try to get some of those things done. But it just changed my perspective. Have you ever thought about how just 
A few words of encouragement can add so much to people's life. I, I've been blessed here at Castle Hills uh, because you are some of the biggest cheerleaders and biggest encouragers that I know. But as a church, we want to continue to do that. Let's look at our next slide. At the end of this phrase, it says that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready? We all only have so many minutes, so many hours, so many years that we're going to be on this earth. And, and, and the question is, are we going to make it count? You still have time, but are you going to make the time that you do have on this earth, are you going to make it count? We don't want to waste our life. We know that, again, we only have so much time. So how are we going to use it? So many times we go through life and we just think, man, I just want to get through this meeting. I just want to get through this shift. I just want to get through this concert. I just want to get through whatever I'm going through. But what if we said, you know what? I want to invest in this time that I have. How can I use this wisely? So I want to give you some next steps this morning. Next steps. First of all, tell someone how the new covenant has affected your life. Tell someone how Jesus dying on the cross for you changed your story. I look for an opportunity this week. I don't care if you tell someone. I don't care if you write it. I don't care how you do it. But look for an opportunity to share your story. Secondly, take note of someone who is not here and send them an encouraging note. Right now, everyone look around and say, hey, who's not here that's normally in my zip code that I sit at? Uh, because you all sit in zip codes. And so look around and say, hey, who, who's not here? I want you to write it down right now. And I want you to say, hmm, I'm going to send them an encouraging note. Because there's a possibility that they might be drifting or they may be ill or they may have some certain things going on. And they could probably use some encouragement. Here's the big one that I want you to do this week. Send an encouraging note or text message to a different person every day this week. It takes maybe five or ten minutes. But every day, starting today, this afternoon, when you go home, I want you to write a text message or an encouraging note to someone. It might be a family member. It might be a family friend. It might be someone here in this room. But I want you to encourage someone this week. And then lastly, encourage someone by serving them this week in some capacity. And that might be mean babysitting for some parents that need to go out Christmas shopping or in, in need of a date night. That may mean raking some leaves. That, that might mean just going, when you go to Starbucks to get your coffee or whatever else you get, that you decide that you're going to buy the person's order behind you and just to bring them a little bit of cheer. But as a church, we want to encourage people. In a few moments, we're going to get ready for communion. And, and something that maybe I haven't always thought about is really each week we're celebrating the new covenant. We're, we're celebrating the new covenant. We're celebrating what Jesus Christ promised that he would do by following God's will, by making his life a sacrifice for us. Luke chapter 22 says this. He says, then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourself. And then he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the what? The new covenant between God and his people. 
an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, we're forgiven. And we don't want to take that.